seat. There's some fresh rain falling in this room. Can you feel it? It's wonderful to be together again, isn't it? Um, we're going to read Acts chapter 2 in a moment, which is going to be wonderful. So just want to say hi to everybody at home. There must be some 60 or 70 people watching online this morning, so you're very welcome. We pray that the Holy Spirit will be powerfully present wherever your laptop is or your television or your device is. The Spirit of God be on you. Um, I just uh, wanted to comment just before I get into Acts chapter 2 and just say it was brilliant to be welcomed by a flood of blue polo shirts and, and jackets this morning by the great volunteers who are on welcome. I just want to say something about serving in the church before it's got nothing to do with Acts chapter 2. It actually has got a whole load to do with Acts later on at the end of chapter 2. But let's devote ourselves to serving in this church. There are still loads of places where we would love to have more volunteers. So your serving heart is going to be such a blessing to the church. Is um, Carrie here this morning? Where are you, Carrie? Is she here this morning? Yeah, Carrie, I know that you would love to have more volunteers. So that's, that's Carrie Baker, okay? Here she is. And her team do a fantastic job in Focus Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. She is uh, a very worthy person for you to volunteer your services to if you're free during the day on that uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, but also so many other places where you can sign up to volunteer. Come on, let's bring that serving spirit right back into church, the volunteering heart. There's a wonderful line at the beginning of Bill Hybel's book, Volunteer, where he says, everything I've ever done of any lasting value has always been done in team. Isn't that great? Isn't that a wonderful quote? And uh, just one more thing I'll say to you before, um, you know, I'm coming back into church life after 17 years away, 16, 17 years away, and I've got new faces to meet, and uh, I'm working the crowd. You may have been one of those people I came to and said, what is your good name, sir? Madam, what is your name? And I try and remember that name because I used to know 400 names here before I left in 2005. Anyway, when I went to the Middle East, I, I learned how to say, I can remember your face, but I can't remember your name. I learned that in different languages. So in my multi-ethnic church that I was building in Dubai, um, we used to have to say that to each other because people were timid to say, I don't know, I, I asked him last week, but I daren't ask them this week. And so I'm going to teach you a little bit of Tagalog. Have we got any Filipino speakers here in the room? No. Right, okay, so this is it. Here we go. This, means, this is how you say, I know your face, However, and then the next bit is I can't remember your name, okay? So here it goes. Kilala kita, pero. Sounds like Spanish, doesn't it? Pero, however. Kilala kita, pero. I know your face, but. Okay, now I want you to turn to the person sitting next to you and say, in Tagalog, Philippines language, Kilala kita, pero. Off you go. So keep asking people's names, because you've given up, haven't you? I can't ask that person again. I daren't. Come on. And do you know what? They'll give you their name today, and you'll forget it for next week. And then next Sunday, you'll say, I know your face, but I, I'm sorry. And you press through embarrassment, you British buttoned up people. You're so buttoned up. Loosen the top button and ask the person's name. 
Come on, this is a beautiful gathering. Right, that's Acts chapter 2. That's the spirit in community. <laughs> Come down to earth, Clive. Come down to earth. Right. Let's have a look at Acts chapter 2, verses 1, I think, to 13. It's in the ESV. It's going to come up on screen. So here we are. This is the fulcrum point. Do you know what a fulcrum is? You know, on a, on a seesaw. Ever been a, a, a grown-up on a seesaw and kept, kept your little one high up while you sat down on? This is the fulcrum point in Luke Acts. It's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be quite intentional this morning. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants in this room. I'm going to take hands off. Not that I have got hands on, I feel. I've been on my knees this morning saying, Lord, what do you want to do this morning? What do you want to do with your dear people? And so I want us to understand that there's a fulcrum point here where from the Old Testament into the New, from, the, from Judaism into Christianity, there's a tipping point. The church is born. How? By the flooding of the Holy Spirit through the believers. So let's read the first part, so familiar to you. And this stands as a unique event in history. This is the birth of the church, but the Holy Spirit is very happy and willing to fill hearts and touch bodies from this point on. And we are living in the good of Jesus' ascension because he can be everywhere all the time. And that's why it was so beautiful to lift up his name, as Dom did, reading those beautiful names of Jesus out. What we're doing is we're lifting him up. And when the Holy Spirit sees Jesus magnified and, and glorified, he's very happy to come into the room. He's here now. And we need to drink. COVID's been a long, hard, old winter, hasn't it? And it's still there. It might not be quite so virulent, but it might be for some people. And people are worried about their jobs. People are worried about their families. People are concerned about the future. People are worried about Europe. Not far from here, there is a real battle going on. And our church must come fully alive to all that God wants to do with us, to be a sign and a wonder to the watching world. You need to be filled with the Spirit today afresh. So how hungry and thirsty are you? These guys were the only ones who had to wait. And as Ollie said last week, you don't need to wait anymore now. You don't need to tidy up your life. You need to say, Lord, I'm not worthy for you, Holy Spirit, to come into this earthen vessel. No, no. He's made you right before his God. Jesus' blood has washed away all your sins. You are now a holy receptacle unto your God. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled afresh. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. You'll notice it was a sound, but not actual wind blowing their Peter's toupee off. Oh, sorry, Peter. I might meet you in heaven one day. <laughs> and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And the, at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, hang on a minute, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language? 
Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them all telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and said they're filled with new wine. Now let's skip on. Let's go further on. This is a very long chapter and I want to fill in the bit between what we've just read and what we've jumped to is that Peter stands up and gives this astonishing sermon where he basically says, you crucified the Lord of glory, but he rose from the dead. And it was all predicted in the Old Testament. And in the book of Joel, he says, but now this is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit because Jesus has risen from the dead and is ascended to the Father. And what you see and hear is now the birth of the church. It is now Jesus triumphant and in glory and he is now coming to fill you with his Holy Spirit. So we pick up from verse 32 onwards. I won't go to the end of Acts chapter 2. That's for another day when the fellowship of the saints begins here we are, verse 32. This Jesus, this is Peter speaking, preaching his heart out. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, that. I'll come back to that in a minute. This, that. You yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says... The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know that for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptised, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptised and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Wow, what a day. What a day. I love that question in verse 12. What does this mean? So they were bewildered. I think I can hear my own language from Cyrene and Mesopotamia. And how can these Galileans speak my language? What does this mean? Never was question more important than that. How do you answer it? What does this mean? And to be filled with the Spirit means you want to have a prior understanding before you open your heart to these things. Because we need to use our minds and understand that you don't just believe any old myth or legend or falsity. You believe, you want to open your heart to truth. So you need to understand what it is. What does this mean? That was the right question. Because something is happening here. Now, I just remembered a song by Bob Dylan. Do you remember? Okay, those of you who were children, I was a very small boy in the 1960s. Bob Dylan brought out an album called Highway 61 Revisited. And in that, he had a song called Ballad of a Thin Man. And it's a man who's struggling to try and understand how the world is changing. After the war, 
in the 60s revolution. And there's a wonderful refrain in this song. Just put your hands up if you know the song I'm talking about. Do we have any, one or two Dylan fans? Not many. And he sings in a kind of a, in a, kind of a cynical way because there's this hip culture going on in New York. And he says, but he says, because something is happening here and you don't know what it is, do you, Mr. Jones? <laughs> that was my Dylan impersonation, okay? <laughs> Something, it, thank you, thank you. Something is happening here and you don't know what it is, do you, Mr. Eastbourne? Something's happening. And we need to be able to interpret that to people to understand that the pouring out of the Spirit has changed absolutely everything. This is a pivotal moment in history. This is akin to God manifesting himself to Abraham. It's the start of everything. The chosen people. It's like God manifesting himself to Moses, saying, take off your sandals. We're going to get out of Egypt and into the promised land. This is one of the moments like that that will not be repeated in history and yet repeated again and again and again and again, wherever Christ is exalted. Have you ever seen an amazing YouTube video called Arctic Fire? It is the story back in 1996 of the Inuit people, the indigenous Canadian peoples from the far north of Canada, and they'd lost their identity as a tribe because of the, the obviously, um, populating of North America with, with Westerners, and these uh, Inuit people had l just lost the will to live. They lost their traditional way of life, and so drinking came in, drug culture, abuse, all sorts of terrible things happened. And the Canadian government sent in news teams to try and find out what had happened to the Inuit Eskimos. And um, amazingly, uh, a few people in this tribe started to come together in one of the lonely outposts far beyond Baffin Island and the wastelands of the north of Canada. And they were praying in their pain for God to heal their community. Arctic fire, it's called. You can find it on YouTube. And um, there's one moment where they're in the meeting and they're crying out to God for broken families, busted people, addicted people, child abuse, marriage abuse, all sorts of terrible things. And they're crying and weeping. And then suddenly there's a sound. This is documented, authenticated. It's true. And it sounded like the start of Niagara Falls. And the people who were recording the meeting thought there was something like a jet engine coming overhead. Do you know this story? Just put your hands up if you've heard about this story. Good, there are people around the room who heard this. And they, tried, they switched off the, the recording devices in the room, and yet the recording continued. And in the room, there was an amazing sound like a jet engine, and people were starting to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the people who witnessed this started to weep and receive, and they said, we lost control of the meeting, they said. And it's one of the closest things I can tell you about this that it still happens today. Wouldn't that be astonishing if you're now crying out for this borough that we live in, for all those people that you know are hurting, and we know people, our dear friends here, who are fighting for their lives with illness, and there are people with, with broken situations, and we say, Lord, come in your power. Come in your power. These people had lost their purpose, their identity, and, uh, and yet the room starts to shake, and it, it's loud. And you look, at, look it up for yourselves. It's called Arctic Fire. Come on, Lord Jesus. 
Come and do it again in our day. Come and shake the heavens and the earth. Wouldn't that be exciting? What are we afraid of? He's a God of love. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, as I've often said, is a baptism of love. What's it all about? What is Acts 2 all about? What does this mean? It's about God coming closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. And I think I've said on previous occasions, you know, we lost Eden. We lost that fellowship. Man walking with God side by side, even looking at God, walking with him, talking to him. We've lost it all. Cherubim blocking the path back to Eden and God starts the recovery program. And so he begins with a tabernacle in the desert with the tribe. And you can't go into the tabernacle, it's too holy, but it's there, the presence of God with the people wandering through the desert on the move. And then we come to David taking Jerusalem and the building of the temple. Now God is amongst his people in the city. He's getting closer. He's getting closer. And then Jesus appears on the riverbank in Mark's gospel. Then Jesus appeared. I love the way Mark's succinct way of talking, just, oh yeah, Then he turned up, wow, God in human flesh appears on the riverbank of the River Jordan. He's that close now, you can touch him and feel him and talk to him and have some barbecued fish with. He's right up close and personal, but he's in a body. So he can only work with his 12 men and true or 72 or go from town to town. And then death, crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, the outpouring of the Spirit now God's got even closer because he's come right into here, into my heart through the Holy Spirit. So no longer is he distant. He's right here now and he's here in his people, the church. And when we've all come together, he's here in power and presence. He's here in me individually, but boy, is he here now in presence. And there will come a day when he comes back and he will restore all things and we will walk with our God again. But between now and then, we've got this and we want him to flood our church with his presence so that when people walk in, they are profoundly affected. But then we want to go out carrying the flame of God, the power of God, freshly anointed for service. That's what that means. This is that. This Outpouring of the Holy Spirit is that in effect. And I love the way Jesus promises to you that he will come up close and personal to you today. Listen to what he's teaching his disciples before he dies. Just hours before he dies, he's got the most important sermon to give them. John chapter 14, verse 6. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The Holy Spirit is with you forever until you meet him in glory. He has never left you. Drink again. Are you thirsty this morning? I am. I'm so thirsty. I'm so hungry. Why is it that some Christians lose that thirst? Why is it about us that we say, thus far and no further? You can't come that close. John chapter 14, verse 23, if anyone loves me, who wouldn't love Jesus after what Dom read out, after what Caleb uttered? If anyone loves me, he will find himself keeping my word. And my Father will love him. And we will come to him. 
we will come to him and we will make our home with him. Where does Jesus live? There was a lady back in a church way back in my, my past. I'd been preaching on baptism in the Holy Spirit and she was timid and she went home. Her husband wasn't with her and she felt she couldn't respond because her husband wasn't with her and she was wondering if anything weird happened to her. Her husband wouldn't be able to help her and get her home and get her out of the place. <laughs> her name was Helen and um, she went home and uh, she, was, she, she was telling her husband, Mike, all about what things were happening. There were manifestations of the Holy Spirit, a bit like what I was saying last week, like um, people um, starting to fall over because they felt, okay, can I just be very... Uh, you remember your first kiss, all right? You slightly swooned, right? Okay, man, we don't go here, do we? Do you know that to worship is proskuneo, to lean forward to kiss? When you were kissed, you felt, oh, a little bit dizzy, a little bit kissed. He wants to kiss you again. He wants you to swoon in his embrace. He wants you to be loved by him with his eternal love. He did, did I just say that? Yes, I did. This girl, Helen, went home and she went into, uh, sat down at her uh, dressing table in the bedroom and Mike was getting ready for bed and she was brushing her hair and she was looking in the mirror. It's a true story. And um, so she's brushing her hair and she's saying, oh, Clive was talking about all these gifts of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues and prophecy and healing and things like that. She said, I would love to speak in tongues. And this is what happened next. As she was brushing her hair, she suddenly felt a strange sensation in the middle of her tummy. And she was classic John 7 verse 37 Suddenly, from up within her and out of her mouth came a beautiful language, a heavenly language. Oh, whoosh! Out it came. She found herself speaking in tongues to herself in the mirror. And Mike's thinking, what has happened to my wife? Okay. And she's released her. She just opened her mouth and praised Jesus in tongues. And she was shocked and she couldn't stop. She could have stopped. You can stop that if you want to. But she didn't want to. She just felt overwhelmed with love and adoration. And out it came bubbling up. She was classic, John 7, verse 37. Out of your belly, your inmost being, shall come rivers of living water. Come on, do you want some rivers again? I do. I'm so thirsty. Amen. And she, she understood what it was to get the promise of the Father Peter talks about the promise of the Father. What is the promise of the Father? It was foretold way back in the Old Testament. What we're doing is in the sweep of prophetic history. So can we have the Jeremiah quote up on screen now? Have a look at this. What's the promise of the Father? This is the promise of the Father that Peter talks about, that Jesus talks about. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on my heart and I will be their God and they will be my people. And they will no longer say, shall teach his neighbour and teach his brother, saying, know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. That reminds you of Joel, doesn't it? From the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. That is hundreds and hundreds of years before this event. It's the promise that's going to come. Can we look at the Ezekiel promise? This is a beautiful promise. 
This is the promise of the Father. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. And I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. And I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I, a new spirit I'll put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And as I have often said, who's got a heart of stone here this morning? It's not your fault. You've had to have a heart of stone. You've had to protect yourself from the, as Shakespeare would say, the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, from the things that people have done to hurt you, from the things that you've found impossible to forgive in other people. You've, you've developed, like mother of pearl, around that irritant, you've developed your defence mechanism. You've got a heart of stone, maybe, this morning. God comes to say to you, I'm going to come and bring you back to having a warm, beating heart of flesh where you can love again, when you can worship again, when you can forgive again, when you can be patient again, where you can serve again. I give you back that heart of flesh. But my spirit will do that in you. You can't do it yourself. This is open heart surgery. How are you doing with your heart of stone? This is the promise of the Father. You would receive the Holy Spirit and your heart would be changed forever. I can't stop reading this book, so I brought it with me. It's called Sounds from Heaven. And we were talking at life group leaders and cluster leaders on um, Sunday night. We were talking about just how life groups we long to see in sitting rooms, in homes, in our church the Holy Spirit break out. It's one thing to see him do things when there's a large company of people here. And often it seems easier when there's a big crowd. I long to see the Holy Spirit work in your homes, in your sitting rooms. And what they experienced in the Hebridean revival, this is called Sounds from Heaven, charting the story of the Hebridean revival, which is only 70 years ago. The nearest thing we've got to what genuine revival on these shores. And I love reading the stories. I can't... They had some amazing things happen. They heard angelic singing over the Scottish skies. When, when they sang, they really, really found themselves moving to another level in singing. It was just beautiful, the singing. I haven't got time to read it all, but... I mean, here's... Let me just read you one thing. Uh, this is Annie McKinnon from Kintyre. I sound a little bit like Mrs Doubtfire there, didn't I? Sorry about that. I felt as if the spirit of the Lord was in the very air we were breathing. <laughs> and it was just wonderful. The atmosphere was not just in the church, but everywhere. Harris, Lewis, Bernaray, Barvas, everywhere. Agnes Morrison says, whatever we were doing and wherever we were, we were conscious of the presence of God. We had no desire to go to sleep. Even though we had so little sleep, we were not tired. God was in the meeting, bowing the hearts of the people. Things which would have been spoken of easily and without any special significance were suddenly imbued with spiritual meaning and power. 
And when um, Duncan rose to his feet to pray and said, Father, it was enough for a congregation to burst into tears. Imagine that, if I just said, Father, and you all started to weep. I want the fear of God back. I used to go to meetings in Hastings at the White Rock Pavilion when I was first introduced to New Frontiers. This scared the living daylights out of me. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit was powerfully on the move in the charismatic renewal. I was young. I thought I knew a thing or two. I knew nothing. I came to these meetings confessing every known sin because the, you felt the palpable presence of God in the room. We saw people lifted off their feet by the power of the Holy Spirit. We, we heard demons shriek and come out of people. We saw people fall over, healed of diseases. And I think, Lord, come on, please, in my lifetime, again, come on, Lord. Acts chapter 2, come on, Lord. We don't need to wait. We need to ask. In my last church, um, I had five posh sermons on the Holy Spirit. And um, when I drove to the meeting, I'd already given two sermons. And the church was beginning to warm up to the idea of receiving the Holy Spirit. You do need to teach into it before people are prepared to say, all right, I'll ask. I got to sermon three and I was driving to the church. And as I pulled up in the car park, I said, well, Lord, be with me. This is sermon number three. Aren't you pleased with me? And I felt, I felt a little tap on the shoulder. Uh, and this is what I heard from in heaven. I said, heard this. Sunshine, it's all right to talk about it and teach on it, but you are going to offer it today, aren't you? And I said, Lord, I've got two more sermons to go. I, I've got to get through sermon five before I invite you. And then there was kind of silence. And you know the Narnia stories. I, I thought I heard a low growl from Aslan. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> I thought, okay, all right. But, you, know, you know, they're not ready, Lord. You know, my magnificent five sermons are still to be preached on. But all right, do it your way. Have your own way. And so <laughs> at the end of sermon three, I said, right, we're just going to wait now. And there were about 30 people in the room. And I said, Lord, if I don't look good after this... <laughs> See how shallow I am, okay? If I don't look good after this and you don't turn up, I'm going to be a little bit miffed. Silence again. He never speaks back when you're getting crossed with him, isn't he? So he's just, just, he just he's like this. He's like... Anyway, so at the end of the meeting, I said, well, I'm just going to wait now. Please keep your eyes open. And so we invited the Holy Spirit and we waited for two or three minutes and I just said round the room... Is anyone wanting to receive more of the Holy Spirit? Fresh touch, fresh anointing, baptism in the Spirit. I taught on baptism. And a lady aged 84 put her hand up and she said, before I pop my clogs, I want everything that God's got for me. So we went and prayed for her and she came under the power of the Spirit. She was 84. This was cold lino on the floor and we eased her onto a chair. Come on, Lord. Do it again in my time. Come and pour out your spirit afresh on us. Let us be a force to be reckoned with. In our weakness, your strength. Amen.
I'm going to stop there. There's so much more I want to say on that, but I will stop there because we're now going to do what we said we were going to do. So I'm in one of those moments to prove it. I'm not going to hide behind my lectern. Right, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit into the room because it's, I've just preached on Pentecost. It's the least I can do. And we're going to hunger and thirst for more of God. Do I hear an amen? amen. Thank you, because it's slightly lonely up here just at this point in time. <laughs> but it's wonderful. So, we're not hyping anything up. We're not whipping up the crowd. We're not manipulating emotion. We're asking for more of God. How's your heart? What do you want? What's the measure that you want to receive? Well, we're going to ask now, okay? So I'm going to ask the band to come back now. But we're not going to start playing. We're going to go into... Yeah, come on up, band. We're not, we're not going to... We're going to go into a place of silence for a moment. Please don't be embarrassed by silence. Silence is beautiful. Silence, you start to connect with your own heart again. So in a moment, we will play. And what I'd like life group leaders, cluster leaders, people who've been here a long time in the church, to come and help pray around the room. You may have noticed we've started wandering around a lot recently, just coming up and praying for people. And we want that freedom to be in this auditorium, where you don't feel you've got to come to the front, but to feel to receive wherever you are. However, if you want to come to the front and say, Lord, I want more of you, I want to do a walk today, please walk, because it's a statement of intent. It's, it's you're doing something rather than being found by someone who's come to pray for you. We want a fresh touch from God. I have feet of clay. I'm a terracotta pot. I'm a half-made man. I'm a man on the move. I'm not yet who I should be. I've got scaffolding around me, but I know that the Holy Spirit is sanctifying me and he's giving me the energy. He's the best stimulant you'll ever have. He's the best, can I say this? Hear me right. The best narcotic you're ever going to have. The Holy Spirit in you. Sometimes when you read Martin Lloyd-Jones, he, he always gives you examples of people who've had these amazing encounters, like D.L. Moody, who had to say, unless I'd asked the Lord to stay his hand, I would have been wasted. And that's sometimes misleading, because sometimes he's as gentle as a dove. And sometimes you can hardly breathe for sensing him on you, on your body. Let him do what he wants to do. Sometimes it's not helpful to hear about these incredible stories of how people were knocked off their feet. It's not always like that. It's sometimes like that. But let's, let's God do what he wants. And if it's the dove this morning, or if it's the jet engines, let him do what he wants. I have no idea what he wants to do. But you know what he wants to do in your life. So let him. Okay, we're just going to be quiet now. I watched Mike Pilavacci do this in front of a thousand people at a New Frontiers conference. And he waited and he waited and he waited and he waited. And then he pointed up in the gallery. I think I've told you this before. He pointed up in the gallery. He picked out a woman with a red scarf and he said, he left you 14 years ago but it wasn't your fault. She starts to sob. And then a whole company of a thousand people weeping with 
love and joy and the presence of God. And she was ministered to by her girlfriends either side of her. What can God do when we allow him into the room? Let's, let's wait. Let's wait on God and we'll take it from there, okay? Please, no contributions. Just be quiet. I'll just say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit.